we're in exceeding. Sean, what, what does your uh, what does your shirt say? Show the show it to them. Oh, this shirt is. You'll love this shirt, but it Forks says bar. Forks bar, <laughs> bar grill, and hollow Space sweets. Grill and hollow sweets. Because nice. it's a franchise. Yeah. I thought you guys would appreciate that. Was that from the uh, Hilton on. in uh, Vegas before they closed it? Or is that no, just actually, a shirt? It's a fan-made shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's not from the Vegas one. but um, The I one that I have is the one that they used to sell at, at Vegas. So yeah. funny story about Vegas is I, I went to... Knife I went to the... <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I went to the Las Vegas Hilton for uh, like for the Star Trek experience like six months before they closed and they were selling, they were like literally just selling as much stuff as they could. Um, and so I bought a box of like 500 matchbooks that said Quark's bar and grill on them. Oh, that's rare. For like five bucks or something like that. And so for like years, literally years, I always had matches that said Quark's bar and grill on them. And people are always like, where the fuck did you get these? Quartz Bar. It's right there on the name. That's awesome. Um, That's then, $5 yeah. well spent. Yeah, right? No, it was it was definitely great. Uh, uh, you, you'd, think, you'd think Quark would be like really good at pushing his merchandise out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Okay, so we're we doing a, an official start here? <laughs> yeah. It is Sunday night. This is the Getting Off Topic podcast. This is Tony. This is Todd. This is Byron. And Meg. And And this is Sean. Hi. This is Sean. Sean, welcome. Yes. Um, Yes, sir. Sean Tariotto. Thank you. Uh, You you say it almost as well as uh, anybody else I know, Byron. Which is a compliment that came (laughs) off as like a snarky, uh, like, that's mine. I'm supposed to say my name. Yeah, so Sean is our our special guest this week. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Very Thank cool. You for inviting me. Yeah, right on. Always down to have some more guests. Uh, I get tired of hearing my own damn voice. Uh, very much so. Um, but uh, yeah, Byron. Uh, Byron told us we should have Jan uh, due to, uh, in particular, the Ghostbusters uh, little clip that we got this week. And oh is- yeah, um, sorry. I love hearing your voice. Please continue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got the vapors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Sean, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your your, your geekery and uh, and oh, uh, what you do and stuff? Yeah, yeah. What are your, what are your geek specialities or your your sure. quick history? <laughs> Give uh, us your Wikipedia. I had, I had a I had a post-it note around here because I don't have a Wikipedia article yet, um, but it had everything I wanted to say about myself. But I guess I'll just have to to riff it. Um, uh, I'm Sean. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a huge uh, Ghostbusters fan since I was a, was a wee child, um, and I've lived in Portland, Oregon for a while. I, I'm so in, uh, so into Ghostbusters that I actually moved to New York thinking that I could like find um, the franchise, get to the fucking ladder, and then like become one of them. But Join I haven't opened that portal. Yeah, yeah, just because I, I wanted to go to. I was supposed to go to college. I was like, no, I'm just gonna go to. I'm just gonna go to business for myself. Um, <laughs> Did and you think you up, could go to like the Columbia department? Oh, I thought I could go to Columbia University, but I wasn't cut out for um for that. <laughs> However, I have I did I did end up becoming an actor and doing films at Columbia University, some of which have like more than like a couple YouTube hits. Uh, and then um, yeah, I moved back to Portland like four six years ago almost now, uh, and was recently 
just got like the coolest gig. Um, I was on, I got a recurring gig on this TV show on Hulu called Shrill. And um, oh, wow. I think you might've mentioned it briefly, uh, briefly on one of the podcasts like earlier. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm that guy that they were ta- you're talking about like number three or four. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. Shrill with the uh, AD Bryant and uh, produced by uh, Lauren Michaels. Yeah, I, I yeah. saw the ads for it. Oh, it's... I've seen that. That's such a good show. Oh my god, I'm so glad I there's like love it. Yeah. Oh, I haven't watched it. Okay, that was it's, re- it's really good. It's really really yeah, good. Yeah, it's really funny too. All right, let's check it out. Uh, it's yeah, I love working on it, and I was, I mean, that's my bio. Um, that's that's just me on TV. I have there's that's as geeky as I get. <laughs> uh, um, it's about it um, yeah. yeah, it's about like a fictional um. Uh, like the it's a fictional version of the stranger from Seattle, which is like their um, alt weekly newspaper. Yeah. Well, well, it's also about one of the writers on the stranger. who's sort of uh, blown up the most dust in the air. Um, Lindy West, who um, is played by A.D. Bryant and really they all shopped it and wrote it together and produced it together. Uh, Elizabeth Banks isn't in it. Um, sadly, that was never an opportunity for her to make a cameo. Um, but if she did, I'm sure she would play like a horrible, uh, evil, evil person, like a real Cruella DeVille. And uh, if she hears this, I'm sure that she'll she'll find that amusing um, or just, you know, she can't fire me because this was our last season, by the way. I'm sorry to say. Oh, okay. and season yeah. three starts uh, soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Season three starts May 7, which is A.D. Bryant's birthday. People oh, didn't know. so doing yeah. the doing the promo rounds, huh? Yeah. Well, I just, I, I was fortunate enough to see earlier today, I've had a pretty full day, but I just was at the USC comedy festival zoom and they like showed the first episode and I was like, what? And then I was like, wait, this is an AD Bryant, like special, like she's, she's doing a panel with a showrunner and with Lindy West. And I was like, this is amazing. I have to, I have to like get a coffee. And like, uh, then they were like, it's, when is it show? When is it? When it's like May 7 and AD Bryant was like, that's my birthday. And, and then we just like, we're like, oh my God, time to hit the calendar, man. Just like <laughs> tell your friends. Nice. That's so rad. So Sean and I met a few years ago. Um, we we um, bonded over our love of Star Trek and uh, Ghostbusters and various other, um, you know, fictional uh, labyrinthine universes. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. And, oh, sorry. As you do. As you yeah, do. As you. And uh, Byron, uh, Byron told us a little bit about uh, apparently a script that you guys worked on together. Oh, oh my God. You actually <laughs> told them about. All right. So here's the thing. Here's the other thing. This is what's so wild. This week has been insane. I, okay. So I was, I, you know, I was late today to this podcast because I was, I just jumped off my screenwriting pro, uh, workshop, which started today. And one of the three pitches I brought was that pitch for the Ghostbusters thing. And um, I brought it and in. What's, just, what was what, the original title? It was called Who You Gonna Call? Who You Gonna Ghostbusters call, yeah. colon Who You Gonna Call, which is like a, a follow-up to Ghostbusters Answer the Call, as well as <clears throat> the thing that like people do when you uh, are troubled by strange bumps in the night. And So, so our whole, put, our, our whole um, uh, spin on it was that it was a, uh, a workplace comedy. Yeah. So we were more going with the actual like the what is the day office. to yeah, what is the day-to-day routine of the Ghostbusters look like around the in, in, a, in a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I have to say that was the pitch I didn't do. Um, and I was also very much certain that this, this is a project that would never get done in this. Oh yeah. We, we, of the we definitely weren't, no one was looking at this. We weren't shopping it around. Yeah. It, it's, it's also hard to shop the thing that someone else's owns back that we don't themselves. have the rights to, you know, Yeah, and yeah. be like, give me money. Uh, I mean, that's, that is how, that, is, that is how like a lot of pitches get done is you do specs and stuff, but like, most most of the time people don't do like full pitches unless they are literally like yeah. told by a certain license holder <laughs> that yeah, they well, just uh, do it <laughs> just wait a hundred years until like ghostbusters are public domain like uh you know like sherlock holmes anybody can write a sherlock holmes book <laughs> hey it's gonna be yeah you know we got what 60 years uh, well, almost halfway there. I, I think the clock resets um, on February fourteenth, twenty twenty. If you re if you release new medium, then it uh, extends your copyright. Yeah, well, which is why I'm planning on working for them in that year. Accurate. Because well, I, I think Todd might be right though about that because the they are rules. starting a thing. Yeah, but I mean, James Disney. Bond is now uh, about to go into, uh, like Sherlock Holmes is now in the. Um, That's public domain. Uh, That's public domain. domain, and James Bond is in the public domain or soon to be certain ones, and so the 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 versions of the characters that were originated, so like for example, um, when James Bond recently went into the public domain in the UK. Uh, the elements of his first story are covered, but anything that was created subsequently is not public domain. So, like, um, his gadgets and shit like that. Like, if there's a specific gadget that he uses that is under copyright, then that you can't use that, but you can use the oh, character. Oh, oh, so that's so, kind of like yeah. when uh, Sean Connery had already left the role and then wanted to do one more. And they're like, no, we got this other guy now. And he's like, fuck you. I'm going to make my own James Bond. Like, <laughs> never, never say never again. Yeah. Spaceballs, yeah. the flamethrower. But then certain, I think certain elements, it's been ages since I watched it, but I think like certain elements had to be changed. Well, or, that was just a, that was just a licensing like snafu was that there were two different studios that claimed that they had the license to make the movie. Right. Yeah. So it's wonder. sort of similar uh, in in how they made it happen. Huh. Um, it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like the the original title for Ghostbusters, which was Taken. What Taken was it? Was going to be the original? Yeah. Was that? Uh, was uh, it also with Liam Nielsen? Nielsen. Nielsen. No. Nielsen? Was that but, originally? Uh, <laughs> Now, I recently listened to. Uh, oh. Can you imagine Le Leslie Nielsen and Taken? <laughs> oh God! That was, you oh, know, somebody bring it's him back. Forming in my head, and I and I kind of I think a pitch is forming. I think a pitch is forming. <laughs> yeah. um, now I remember. Um, I well, I've seen. I mean, I've seen behind the scenes. Um, you know, documentaries on it, and I also read that uh, or listened to the audiobook recently of. Uh, I think it was called, I think the name of the book was Wild and Crazy Guys, where it was like the the beginnings of SNL. About like Jim Belushi and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and they did go into a little yeah. bit of side story because they focused on, you know, certain people in different chapters. And one of them was about Dan Aykroyd and then Dan Aykroyd along with uh, John Belushi and how it was originally going to be a vehicle for the two of them. 
the film and they were writing it together uh, or he was, I forget if they're writing it together or he was just writing it for him. Dan Aykroyd was writing it for him and Belushi. Um, it was uh, definitely a, Bel a Belushi vehicle. Uh, yeah. And it was Belushi, going to be like, they're yeah. going to be time traveling, uh, mm -hmm. not, not just paranormal investigators, but time traveling ghost catchers. And oh, it, was, it was so yeah. out there and bonkers. And uh, I think oh, yeah. once Ramus eventually came in and, and um, they, they, you know, switched over to modern day New York and how did how did Harold Ramis get involved with all that because was he already friends with all of them oh yeah they were totally buddies back in before SNL SNL like was the sort of like jumping point for a lot of improv uh nerds who like studied with Bill Close and company Bill and Murray Harold Ramis and John, uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and like Eddie Murphy and every, uh, the whole like yeah. New York scene over there was also like a Chicago scene. They, there was a lot of intermixing going on. Yeah. And then you had the like, SCTV guys like Moranis exactly. and uh, John yeah. Candy. And yeah, Moranis was also with John Candy. John Candy was supposed to be, uh, was supposed to play Moranis's original, uh, was supposed to play Lewis. Yeah, Tully. he was going to be Lewis and he was like, yeah. But they were like, no, I can't do this. Lewis is funnier. And then, I mean, Rick Moranis is funnier. I could go so on for, and on about so, it. So for anybody who's uh, uh, wondering, there, there was a new, there was a clip this week um, from the Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters Afterlife. Afterlife and it was yeah. the first time we've seen any new footage since that that teaser trailer came out last year. I yeah. mean, it's, it's been almost a full year since, yeah. like, I think we're past a year at this point. Oh, the movie um, should have come out already if it kept yeah, its original release. Exactly. It be last summer, I think, right? June or July last summer. And now they're shooting for, when is it now? November. November, okay. Man. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel trailer... like... The last year, we didn't get to see any movies, and now movies are happening again, and it's like, oh wow, movies! I, awesome. I'm, I'm gonna be real <laughs> honest. I completely forgot this Ghostbusters was even happening until this teaser came out. Yeah. Honestly, I'm pretty excited because uh, Jason Reitman is um, yeah. writing and directing it, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, just his career by itself is fantastic. So. And the fact that he grew up around, like, you know, he grew up on the set of Ghostbusters 2 and his, he's so entrenched in it that I think he's the perfect person to take it on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I kind of echo that. I feel like it's in like, you know, it's like, it's almost like someone passing a, like a baton or a shield over to someone who like deserves it. And then that person just being like, yeah, it's mine. I'll, I'm just Rather than the, the government just coming in saying mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, we picked a guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of cool little uh, little side story. I remember hearing, I think sometime last summer, like after the film was in the can and it was done and uh, he screened it with his dad, Ivan, uh, Ivan Reitman. Uh, and he said by the, by the credits rolling, like his dad was crying, like he was in tears and he was just like, I, I forget what the exact words he said to him, but something like, I'm so damn proud of you or like uh, something like he was said, it, it was amazing basically. I, I heard that news the tidbit of information as well that that and then like seeing the the, the new trailer reveal with the mini pups just sort of confirms that i feel like yeah. it definitely is a heart uh it's a, it's a real stab to the heart this movie uh you know i was i was a little concerned uh first off i resisted watching the clip like i saw headlines there was a new clip but ghostbusters is one of those things that's so near and dear i kind of don't I want to refuse to see as much as possible before I hit the theater. Cause I'm so sick of seeing half of the movie revealed, you know, <laughs> in trailers. It really bothers me. So, uh, but, uh, but, you know, Byron suggested you coming on and us just like 
talking all Ghostbusters shops like, well, crap, now I have to watch it. And then once <laughs> I saw, once I saw even like the YouTube screenshot before you click play on it and you click on the link and I saw the <laughs> silly little state puff guy, I was a little concerned. I was like worried <laughs> that like this is either going to play very well or very, 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 or just cool. like, yeah, Sean and I were talking about this earlier about how, like, uh, like we weaponized nostalgia for millennials is like a real thing. Like, uh, and like the, the force awakens and specifically rise of Skywalker are the like really poor examples of nostalgia being like, like utilized in a way, in a, a like really cynical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally am not a huge fan of the Force Awakens for exactly that reason is that it's just too similar to it's just a remake of A New Hope of pretty much um and I was really worried and there were some other people that have echoed this sentiment on the internet that that just more Ghostbusters is just going to go down that route of why do we have to do this mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I also feel like Ghostbusters there is a lot more that hasn't really been explored, especially in like the cross media that's been released. And the two movies are great, but like, and they are classics, but there's so much more to that world that I think fans really do want to see. And mm-hmm. bring it on. <laughs> mm-hmm. ah, yeah. Well, I would agree. I would totally. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I would totally feel it. I mean, I, I, but I really want to hear what everyone else thinks about it for because I'm so biased. I'm like, <laughs> well, I first, I first saw the, the teaser. Actually, it got spoiled to me because I saw a meme on Twitter. It was uh, one of the four panel memes that had uh, baby Yoda and then baby Yoda getting pushed out of the way by the little uh, stay puffed. and i'm the new baby now oh geez um i so i finally ended up watching it and i was pleasantly surprised um number one uh paul rudd really sells it i mean oh yeah because he's paul rudd because he's paul fucking rudd um but again once i saw the uh well actually the first thing that hit me was the music which is what hit me in the first trailer and teasers as well. That original score returning to that. Um, uh, oh, what was the original Elmer? Was it, it? We were talking about this trying to figure was it Bernie Brillstein and or El, Bernie Brillstein's a manager. Elmer Bernstein is a Elmer Bernstein. I, I think you're right. Elmer Bernstein. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that fantastic score that, that that's where the, the, they weaponize the nostalgia at me. Like when I hear that, that classic music, Elmer Bernstein, like yeah. yeah, it hits me like a shotgun. I'm like, Oh, yeah. and then, you know, the, the spooky setting, like everything's done well in that quick little scene. It's like less than a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, said, Paul Rudd really sells it. And once he sees, you know, those very silly little state puff guys popping out, like I said, when I saw like the, the first image of the goofy little character, I was a little concerned. Oh, this is going to play off silly and stupid and making fun of the nostalgia. But, but it then one of them the... burns himself to death. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it spells that sort of silly <laughs> horror factor very yeah, well. Yeah. It hits that uh, right beat. Yeah, uh, we're, I think we're so used to seeing things like turn into hot trash. It's really nice to see that trash get burned a bit. Yeah. But if you look closely at that trailer and you're really close to examine it, there's some there's some hilarious 
like insanely like weird things. Burn, burn. We were we were like looking at the clip earlier, uh, and like um, I mean, I noticed that one of the stay puffs, especially the one one of the mini puffs that was burning to death in the grill and like slowly sinking to the bottom, also had his arm extended. His, her, <laughs> his arm and was doing a thumbs up, and it was it it was also like. You know, it, it, was, it was like you're pulling the nostalgia beans out here, and the remember berries are are. So like, that that makes you wonder: has ha, has the mini puff marshmallows watched Terminator Two? They're fans, yeah, they're big fans. <laughs> I mean, who isn't? They're, Come on, they're they're, yeah. they're, they're they're really just a uh, Cameron fans. They're not ignorant yeah. to pop culture. Come on, <laughs> I mean, he's a the sailor. Same world is like, like oh, is it the world of Walking Dead and Terminator Two, where like? They've, they've evaded like you know um like our old like electoral politics or something and never had to i don't know is it, is it like is it just because jason reitman's a terminator 2 fan he grew up watching it when he was you know edward furlong's age maybe they're in a taking it back to last week's podcast maybe they're in like a last action hero universe where everything's a little bit askew. So the Stay Puft guys have seen Terminator 2, but it's like Terminator 2 starring Stallone or whatever it was. In last yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to think of the most har- harmless thing, something I love from my childhood, something that can never ever possibly destroy us. Mr. Stay <laughs> Puft. Oh my God. Nice thinking, Ray. <laughs> Wait, I, uh, I, uh, my, my mind just blew up here a little bit. But as he said that, the line after that is, um, we used to roast marshmallows at the fire and camp what was that camp camp does anyone remember uh i don't remember because i'm full like mandela affecting here camp uh i want to say it was some sort of uh camp wakanda was it camp wakanda and camp wakanda wakanda seriously yeah camp wakanda (laughs) so i thought i was losing my mind and i was like (laughs) What? It's spelled it's spelled a little different, but sure, but well as it's you do. Pretty similar. Yeah. Ray's gone bye-bye, you gone. Yeah. What do you got left? <laughs> okay, so oh, wait. I have not seen this trailer. Uh, and to be frank, I literally had no idea there was another Ghostbusters movie until <laughs> that's, that's such a good thing. <laughs> Just until you guys start talking about so it. So they're okay, so like they're it seems from the first trailer, they're definitely going for like, or at least the promotional materials are going for like a stranger things type of situation very like, much Finn Wolfhard in it yeah they even they yeah. even have Finn Wolfhard is playing one of the characters in the movie yeah and sure. it, it seems like Egon's grandson right well we don't know that f- yeah. for sure I'm well it, pretty sure it's heavily yeah, implied but I don't know if it's clear picture they, in the they, trailer, they, yeah. yeah they definitely have a resemblance just like uh 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 the other character that his sister Phoebe who's um also McKenna Grace from like a bunch of other things Molds and fungus. yeah yeah right. well i mean like her look is, is pretty sealed like I mean, she's got the glasses but yeah. if you look at like finn wilfhard today in 2021 uh <laughs> and, and you look at like a young harold ramus <clears throat> without the glasses it's sort yeah. of this uncanny like like oh yeah it's good casting yeah. um because we all know that ray definitely did not have children yeah. Well, he was a virgin in the second film. Uh, there's a you, you, th- he was a virgin at the end of uh, Ghostbusters too. You you threw this idea out, Aaron. I'll let you take it. What is what? What's so um, there's this throwaway line in uh, the second Ghostbusters that uh, the um, 
what's his name? Yana Vigo? Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Vigo the Carpathian uh, oh. can only inhabit a virgin. The the vessel can only be a virgin. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. That, and he, that to successfully like roll into this universe, he needs like a child to you know inhabit to right? be the vessel of to be the vessel and but later on in them ever yeah. saying a virgin really no are you misremembering hmm. stuff I, I may be misremembering this so, maybe, so maybe. what my headcanon has always been is that uh race dance is a virgin well into his okay. 30s okay I, I completely don't agree with Byron's uh, uh, theory. <laughs> Interpretation. Yeah. I mean, he His made it remember with berries ghost, at least. poisoned, yeah. There's some rotten remember that berries. That does not your, count. Uh, Getting fucked by a ghost does not make you... No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm drawing the line here. <laughs> You're drawing the line. Getting a ghost blowjob does not... No, that's like pretty much jerking yourself off. <laughs> but is it? I, you know, I always found that, that goofy... There are elements in some of these, like um, like Reitman films and '80s films, that are still oh, yeah. um, kind of well. I know you're thinking that skeevy, yes, that too. But also how they throw in some really ridiculous, almost like old stuff from vaudeville, like how when the guy when he's getting a, a dream ghost blowjob, oh, whatever, and his, his eyes, eyes go cross-eyed, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's like old silent film goofy stuff. That's. I was literally just thinking that about how his eyes go cross-eyed. That's yeah. so. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so good. Uh, I completely lost my train of thought. I was going to say something about. Oh, um, about the new film. I did see uh, another little bit of news. Was a little interview with um, Bill Murray. It came out this past week. I forget they were interviewing him for something, some other project that just came out. I think mm-hmm. an indie drama or something. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, of course, at some point they have to talk Ghostbusters and he, you know, Bill Murray, who notoriously had beef with Ghostbusters 2 and uh, really did not uh, appreciate that they, I, I, I think uh, if I remember right, the when they originally met and talked about working out the story, uh, they were going in one direction. And then when he showed up to set, it was a completely different film. Uh, and and that, they didn't tell him. Yeah, and that it, really it, like, changed so like, dramatically. I guess all the creative stuff they kind of went in a di- other direction for years. He was kind of like, yeah, the second one was there, but you know, Ooh, it was uh, the first yeah, movie that was yeah. good. Um, I mean, I've always really second liked the second one first? personally. I enjoyed them both, um, but anyway, yeah, but I was also uh, a literal like child when I first saw it. So, yeah. but anyway, um, yeah. As far as the interview, uh, I thought it was cool because Bill Murray, being the uh, the guy who gives no fucks and is free to critique whatever he damn well pleases. You know, he kind of makes known when he thinks something is, isn't that great. Uh, he had nothing but praise for this new movie. He was, was really? very much. Yeah. He was like, Oh yeah, it was fantastic. Like everything he said in so many words, like this is the first one that feels like the first one again, like it's up there. He's like, yeah. So we got like two good ones out of four. <laughs> Wait, but didn't uh, in Terminator, the mom, what was her name? Sarah Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. Didn't she say that about the newest, newest Terminator? And then that turned out to be shit. I still haven't watched it, but I remember. But you're basically oh, wait. Do you mean. Um, the same scenario. Talking about Dark Fate. I don't that, know. Uh, whichever last one. Like that came yeah, out. I mean, one it's, in, kinda... it's in their best interest to say that these movies are good because they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're usually getting paid on how well yeah, the movie does. They're invested financially in this. Yeah. yeah. 
But at the same time, Bill Murray has been historically the guy who kind of bucks that trend. He, like he doesn't give a shit and kind of says, you know. Yeah, but he also did. Mind. He also did promo like the promo rounds for for Ghostbusters 2016. So yeah, yeah. And he also anyway. made Garfield. So there. <laughs> Have you heard the the whole story about how he ended up doing Garfield? No. It, it was oh. a miscommunication. Oh, or, no, wait. Yes, I do remember now. Well, yeah. Yeah. So he heard that the Coen brothers were working on it. <laughs> and yeah, there were Coen brothers who were working on it, just not those Coen brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and he literally was yeah. just like, oh, yeah, I'll do it then. And signed oh, yeah. up without figuring out that it was not the Joel Cohen that he was thinking was writing it. No, I believe it was, was it Eden Cohen or whatever you say his name. Yeah. Who did like the third mummy movie, which. Was, yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. mummy movie that was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta wonder what Bill Murray was like smoking when he when he got that phone call. You know. Like, but also, like, I don't think that man is gonna turn down that kind of money, though. Yeah, he yeah, might. He's also turned. like, is he a producer on it? Does he uh, have? Is he financially like? Does he have stake in the franchise, or is he just? An actor in it. You mean like, in Garfield? Are we talking Ghostbusters? Or are we still Ghost, talking Garfield? Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean, I don't know about that. Well, the, the, that's a good question. I think that he doesn't have as much of a stake as like Dan Aykroyd does, you know. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, you'd have so, to like, Sony. Sony technically know. owns the the rights to the franchise, but Dan Aykroyd created the characters, so he gets money every time those characters are used somewhere. Yeah. Well, if you drop it down in terms of like the contract that you have to have with like the DGA, the PGA, the WGA, and the different unions, then Danikert has way more uh, cards in the game. But then again, he like it's his it's his baby. It's what he you know you know he's he's it was and it was really the thing that helped all of them like go from like SNL to like oh yeah huge careers yeah they were they weren't like they weren't like rocks they weren't like rock star status until ghostbusters like made a bajillion dollars yeah Yeah. that's and that's just because i mean look there's a story out there that built that bill murray traded a like he was like i will do this movie because you guys are in a bind because jim belushi had just died that year yeah or the year before and in exchange he would go do um he wanted he wanted a uh, he wanted like to do this film called The Razor's Edge, which was a straight, oh, straightforward. Yeah. yeah, it was like oh, I have. Uh, it was like seven years in Tibet, but set in like the 1920s, I think. Yeah, mm. um, and those were like huge in the 80s. Like, like Christopher Reeves did a 1920s type like period piece that was all about his mind losing his uh, like he was in a dream or something in a coma, and then he saw like a penny at the end of it, and then it woke up. And turned, I'm sorry. I'm, and I'm then they topic. made the shadow in 1994. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, that was good. The shadow. I, I would have to go back. I haven't seen it since. I, I remember enjoying it a lot as a kid. Yeah. So, uh, supposedly, um, Alec Baldwin was like, "Who the fuck didn't get me that audition as Batman?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And so he was uh, like, "I want a superhero," and they're like, uh, "We got the shadow." <laughs> <laughs> here you go what's a superpower his nose bro at least it wasn't the phantom 
Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, Billy Zane and Billy them Zane <laughs> in purple tights. Yep. Oh boy. Um, another uh, another behind the scenes uh, story that I was reminded of this past year when I saw a little bits of interviews from here and there. Um, Ernie Hudson talking about how in the original Ghostbusters he was uh, he was pitched that by his agent and he was really excited about it because it was a big meaty role in the original Ghostbusters script or one of the early Ghostbusters scripts. Um, Winston was a full Ghostbuster. Like he was there for most of the story. And by the time they got to shooting and the final draft, it was cut down significantly. He's not even introduced until the second act of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And he just kind of becomes a shell of a guy, like the audience avatar. Um, just well, yeah, yeah stepping into this world of the ghostbusters yeah. so he's kind of said like i you know i appreciate it but i served that role but it's still really burned as a you know early in his career he was really looking forward to like this is going to be the big thing and i mean still still was it was still huge but it's uh, it's, it's funny because we can hear that we hear that story at the same time that we're getting a new movie and we're like we are and he's supposed to get a much more complete uh character like another dimension is supposed yeah. to be laid out here like you know it's like it's like the opposite of like the Snyder cut, but it's like, the thing is another off topic topic, but you know, that role is originally meant to be like a, a meteor role. And they were trying to get like Eddie Murphy. There was a rumor about him, Eddie Murphy. But, but the thing is the character itself, like it has a completely different dimension in like the IDW comics and even in the, in the, in the Ghostbusters, like cartoon The real series. Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah I've, I've been meaning to read those comics. So I've yeah. heard nothing but good things. Well, no spoilers, but they have, there is a crossover version where the real Ghostbusters enter the IDW Ghostbusters dimension in order to stave off another enemy, another uh, class seven. And then both Winstons meet each other and then they realize they have slightly different backstories in terms of the military. Maybe they went to different branches. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> and, and, and so I wonder if they're going to, to like go with that um, and then, and, so it's always really impressed me that like there's a lot of mythology to the ghostbusters universe that's like it's on screen but not all of it is on screen and there's been a lot of stuff that was invented by like the real ghostbusters show and the comics and a lot of fans of the franchise like there's been like video games since the 80s there's the 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 video game that they made that was originally using the the same concept as ghostbusters 3 um, that came out like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, and they it just was remastered remaster. last, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. They, they re- yeah, last year, two yeah. years ago, yeah. yeah. Here's and how it's much a great a game. Yeah, I love that one. Here's how much of a Ghostbusters geek I am. Um, I currently have both the remastered version, <clears throat> uh, the original version from Terminal Reality, the one from Nintendo Wii, uh, an Xbox version, and... Uh, Oh, right. Everything but the PlayStation version, which is multiplayer, which is like where I completely failed. So in your opinion, was was the uh, remastered glow up worth it? Uh, Well, you know, the, the, the inner cuts are, they're, they're tighter. They're tighter. Janine Melnitz has a slightly more, I think, slightly more elevated role. And I think if anything, that's worth, it's worth like getting it just to be like, is a gameplay better? I, you know, well, it really depends on your, on your hardware, but uh, I would say that 
if you're looking for a completely different like completely different like engine or like no but if you're looking like at in terms of just graphics nah, it's probably tighter it's probably less glitchiness um no so but Sean, it's also what, like a weird engine if you could do anything with the franchise and where would you take it where, what would you, you want to you want to hear my pitch do it let's go for it <laughs> you, you want to hear okay this is never going to get made because i don't actually own the rights to this uh and so this is really just a fan fiction piece of work hey but remember but, kumail nanjiani did an x-files files podcast and then he was in the x-files yeah well so. i don't quite want to flip this coin so high <laughs> into the air that it never comes back but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it anyway but all right so this is the pitch for ghostbusters columbia department slash who you're going to call slash ghostbusters 97217 uh okay business is great for a newly minted franchise of Ghostbusters stationed in the most haunted city in the Pacific Northwest. But when the charismatic leader of an extant Babylonian cult buys boatloads of real estate and revitalizes the once dormant post-life spiritual rights movement, can these Ghostbusters stop the end of the world without ruining the whole city? I, I hand that I, up. I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> <laughs> Without ruining the whole city, at least. Right. Well, you know, it, it's a it's a because they're always causing like millions of dollars in property damage. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the original uh, uh, game on the, the third uh, Ghostbusters, they uh, they had a, the city of New York had an insurance policy to <laughs> cover all the damages to small all the small businesses. Sort of like damage like, control and yeah. Yeah. that's cool. So wait, so you used to. Uh, Let's go back to that pitch really quick. Post-life spiritual rights movement, or what was it? Yeah, this is an addition that I threw <laughs> in. Um, it's this idea that, you know, there are people who believe uh, in, you know, the rights of the afterlife. Like, they're, they're, maybe, they're, maybe it's not their fault that they're stuck on this plane, and maybe yeah. they shouldn't be, you know, incarcerated for life after their afterlife. It, it, maybe there's a problem there, you know? Yeah, um, sticking them in, all, like, a giant, like, storage can container that seems like a like a real bullshit move i mean well they're they're like who knows you know like that was walter peck's whole you know uh thing though but he was more concerned about the environmental effects so yeah. on on our you know on our planet right what so like, I, yeah <laughs> the epa with their crazy uh. 80 shenanigans <laughs> I mean, well, the EPA was a pretty new thing, and like it was only, you know, it was in the 1970s. That's when they figured right, out they uh, needed yeah. a thing. So I think this is, we're touching on one of those elements of like a childhood movie or movie from our childhood where uh, if you think too hard about this specific mechanism, it kind of spoils everything. Like, seriously, like what these, these ghosts, you're just going to trap them? Like they're just incarcerated for all eternity in this. You know, this giant washing machine is kind of fucked up. Kind of like hey. when, we, when we talk about like the realities of Pokemon, like capturing these wild animals and, you know, putting them in servitude and just basically having them dog fight. Right. <laughs> well, and also they stay in those, in, in the Pokeballs for a really, what are they doing in there? Are they just like watching TV or like surfing the internet? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a Pokemon fan, but I do have a problem with like the way that they like the, the narrative there is like, it's very non PETA friendly. <laughs> but with, um, a, with the, with, yeah. It's funny because um, this came up in a conversation I was having last night that uh, there, there actually was a 
a Pokemon game where they introduced the Pokemon um, Liberation Front. Oh, that was two Pokemons ago, I yeah, think. It was it was a uh, Black and White Two. Okay, Pokemon Black and White Two. That was for the uh, the original DS, and there was this whole whole storyline where there was like a Pokemon rights organization that was like freeing all the Pokemon. Yeah, like okay. I forget if they touched on that at all or glossed over that, like the animal rights stuff in the Pokemon movie. They like sort of brought it up a little bit. They like yeah. they didn't bring up the, you know, the Pokemon terrorist movement, but <laughs> um, they yeah they sort of like touched on Pokemon rights a little bit. Okay. In well, it's an interesting. Pikachu. Yeah, it's an interesting analogy. It's just if I mean, but I think that the PLM has like a better uh, you know, like they they really can't. It's not. It's a no brainer. They're basically trying to stop like a a, rec- a cockfighting racketeering ring. Right. Also, because like, aren't some of the Pokemon like sentient creatures? Yeah. Like I mean, they all are. Like yeah. some of them are like humanoid. Some of them are like humanoid level intelligence and communications, but th- they they heavily imply that all Pokemon are sentient. Yeah. Like I mean, uh, what is it? Uh, all the Chanseys are like nursing assistant. Like they have a they have a job. Yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> they had lives before you found them and <clears throat> they're not just here for your entertainment <laughs> or to just be or to be studied at, in a you know in a glass cage no they're audio. they're here to for us to battle <laughs> to battle with people Sean, are, you, uh, are you a uh, or i guess uh, in the in the long long ago before the land of covid uh the age of covid were you a convention goer um, not a, not a yearly one. Um, I, I've, uh, I was pretty broke actually before COVID, uh, to the point where like, I was like, do I sacrifice like, uh, a, a week at the convention, you know, to, to pay rent or do I just sneak into the convention? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I spend an, like a year co- like creating the perfect disguise. Just like take you know? a post so order. Sleep. To somebody who's ordering food at the convention, and then just don't leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, I could we could do that. I just need an inside uh, conventioneer to you know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a I'm going to write a comic book, take out a comic book uh, um, like panel and or booth at the convention center. I'll order Postmates, and then you'll pick it up. There you go. Yeah, well, we have to wait for the batch. Yeah. But Absolutely. I have to read this comic book. Yes. So, so. <laughs> you, you know, that comic book. Oh, wait, this is this might be off topic for the off topic. Nice. Go for it. That that book like has a has weird legs to it. Um, that I mean, the the idea was like. About convention. Oh, wait, you're talking like, about you're actually yeah. talking about the your, thing. Oh, yeah. OK. What your is thing. it? What is this? Your thing. <laughs> Spill it. Um, so it's a book I've been working on for a while uh, and I hit a wall with it a couple of years ago and uh, I just stopped developing it for a while. And then um, I keep during doing. COVID, I started writing it again and it's a, um, it's a uh, before sunrise esque like romantic comedy slash drama 
set over a weekend of Comic-Con. Nice. Mm-hmm. With flashbacks to uh, to these two people meeting 10 years ago at Comic-Con, and then they haven't seen each other in 10 years. So Comic-Con is their Paris. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's that. actually it. Yeah. Right? It's... It, got a it's got a pitchable feel to it that's cool which can now i have to no. just fucking finish it <laughs> uh it's san diego comic-con oh, no. okay cool well I you want it to like, be in a oh yeah i, I know i know like what that place smells like i know like <laughs> i know everything about that place so it's easy to recall it from memory you walk into a bathroom and you're like oh toilet number 73 we've had some good times <laughs> Well, it's just like, uh, you know, like the, the fucking pretzels and stuff. Like there's just like a, there is a, there is a flow to that place that is incredibly uh, memorable. You can't forget mm-hmm. the religious nuts outside too. Oh yeah. The zealots when they're, yeah. they're going to burn in hell. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're going is... to burn in hell because you like Iron Man instead of Jesus. Yeah. That is yeah. a prime staple of the San Diego Comic-Cons. <laughs> I spend yeah. at least two or three hours every weekend watching those guys when uh, when I go to WonderCon. Mm-hmm. Just the interactions with the 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 uh, the very vocal cosplayers that are out there, and like the the very revealing like video game characters. They'll like go and twerk mm-hmm. in front of those guys. Or uh, I witnessed a, a, a couple of Links. Uh, a guy, uh, two guys dressed as Dark Link and regular Link actually kiss in front of them and that was yes. hilarious. Yes. Oh. Yes. That's fantastic. That's awesome. excellent. Oh man, I you had to be there. I wanted uh, there's gotta be photos. Somewhere. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's tons yeah. of crazy photos of people be, yeah. doing weird shit to those guys. Yeah. That uh that WonderCon um We've, I, I can't remember if we talked about this last episode. Maybe it was a conversation with another one of our friends. I don't know. But we're talking about getting back to conventions, uh, you know, post COVID and how we're going to yeah. feel. Like, what's our, what's our anxiety level going to be? Even after we're vaccinated, like, you know, going into large crowds like that and <laughs> wondering, like, should, should I be wearing a mask? Should they be wearing a mask? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I think a, it's a good question and, you know, it's an important discussion. I, I think you, I think we should still wear masks, but I think those masks should be like really, really well designed and should put a lot of care into it and that they should like have like something to say besides I'm afraid of this virus. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a geeky con of any kind of comic con or, you know, um, uh, the other one that uh, Meg and I like to go to is Monster Palooza up in Burbank, which is more like uh, oh man, I uh, really horror, want to go to Monster Palooza. Yeah, horror and creature <sighs> effects and everything like that. But those are the perfect settings to you know go wild and You're get creative. You're expected to with. wear a mask. At yeah, those I mean, besides, like even before COVID, con crud is a pain in the ass. Oh like yeah. That, oh yeah. That oh great, I was at a con, and no matter how many times I wiped my hands like I was in the nerd herd. And of course, somebody breathed on me too hard. And, you know, boom, I'm, yeah. I've got the sickness. Hey, well, we're all pretty much like immunologists at this point. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. what protected you from getting COVID? Oh, the many years of convention going. <laughs> Built up that strong immunity to literally everything. <laughs> so, uh, Sean, so you're 
are you a working screenwriter as well as actor or is that something you're toying with trying to get into or what? oh i'm i'm still trying to develop my comedic voice as you can probably tell uh <laughs> that, the writing element is a is is a is a thing i want to do but i'm not sure yet if i want to just be like in the writer's room constantly pitching my battles or if i want to be someone who just you know comes up with an occasional really brilliant idea and then sells it and then buys it back and sells it to someone you know and flips that or if, or if it's just like i'm just doing this because i'm worried i'll, I'll stop uh i'll stop being a good actor um I'll stop being funny if you enjoy doing it you just keep doing it regardless and if somebody takes a liking to it great if not you're still having fun i mean if well i say that as somebody who has written a thing and have realized i really don't have fun writing <laughs> what yeah. what's that old what's that old saying i don't know who originally said it but an author you know or maybe it was a screenwriter um uh i I hate writing. I love having written. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, oh, it wasn't Neil Labute. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it was... Who uh, else wasn't it, Sean? Uh, I'm going to say it was Lawrence Kasdan. Why not? <laughs> it was, that feels like it something was, Lawrence Kasdan would say. Yeah, might have been. But yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah, I much like Byron, I, I have a project that I've pretty much given up on for I don't know how many years now I mean I add to it a little bit here and there like I've probably got three or four thousand words of like disjointed scenes and outline or bits of dialogue sure. but it's, I I haven't it, or some people may have rediscovered their passion for things like oh I have free time in quarantine I'm gonna get back into painting or writing or whatever there's yeah. time now uh, that didn't happen to me. <laughs> For a minute, <laughs> yeah, I'm still just yeah, like, yeah. I want to shut my brain off and play video games. <laughs> sure. No, I, I totally feel that. Like, I have projects that are still, you know, they're seven years, ten years old. Um, but also, I don't like those ideas, and I'll never, never touch them again. You know. Sure. But I, I think it's just being trapped here uh, and just like having, you know, the access to things. Like that's helped me. Just like zooming into a classroom. Uh, and then like going on another forum or like a clubhouse, which I don't know if anyone here has heard of that. That's been insanely uh, productive because it's just, it's just people constantly offering advice and it's different tiers of, you know, artists and, you know, some get paid, some don't, and, you know, some are just there to just dole out advice. But I think that that's why I'm like interested in getting into stuff and like why I have two other pictures. If you want to hear, I'm not kidding. I won't do that. But it's like one of those things where like, I think you have to, you're not interested in it and then it's not going to keep you chasing the carrot that you set up for yourself. Then you will forever be hungry, but hungry for what, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. It's interesting. Hungry for oh. hi dog. I think as long as you're staying curious and and you feel that uh, that creative drive like a lot of times i i get into i mean i've tried a, a billion different things like i fiddle with my guitar once every couple months or years i you know i make an attempt at writing every so often i do little things here sometimes i just want to put a silly video on instagram or something but uh i think as um i'm i've uh developed the the sense of that i i know through 
well, 35 years of experience now that uh, with whenever I stop creating or like fueling that creative side of my brain or feeding it, I should say, uh, for an extended period of time, then I get depressed or I get, or I I start to feel just like the lulls and I don't, uh, like, don't realize until once I break out of it again, like, oh yeah, this is kind of like when you, when you exercise again and feel really good and you're like, oh wow. Yeah. I should have been doing this all those months when I was like feeling sad and just like rolling into the couch. (laughs) Creatively flabby. Yeah. (laughs) Creatively flabby. Well, I mean, there's, it's cool to be, uh, creatively flabby i think if that's the kind of creativity that you roll with but i do see like yeah no you definitely pull the you definitely said something that i think a lot of writers really artists go go through like if they're not constantly doing stuff then then that muscle like that high or whatever it's just it quickly disappears and then you need to find something to replace it with yeah. and like maybe that's maybe that's playing really bad drums for like a week and then you get back to like you know another thing or maybe yeah. it's uh, just, just seeing what everybody else is doing. But I think the depression though, the sadness, that's, that's also like a thing that, that can happen even if, even if you're just not creative at all, if you're just like the least creative person can be very depressed yeah. um, and have their own set of problems. And they have to figure out how to like do that thing where they get out of it. That's what I want to know is like, um, that's a, a question I actually have for you, Todd, is do you, how do you get out of it? Is it this podcast? Is it, is it, um, is it, is oh, it Byron? Yeah. What? <laughs> were you asking Byron or? Who, who are you asking, Sean? It, it's really, you, know, you said it, my are you name. Tony or yeah, Todd? I mean, I met, I met Tony Todd, uh, the candy man, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got to say his name two more times. Wait, is it two or four more? I forget. Also, uh, Kern, Kern, the uh, Worf's brother. <laughs> Were you, were you uh, uh, trying to get me? I'm Tony. <laughs> yeah, I met Tony. That's uh, uh, okay. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but it's an open question, really. It's not. No, yeah, I definitely, uh, I uh, have been through a weird journey through this whole, uh, well, this last year, this COVID specifically. Uh, I'll try to keep it brief because I am obscenely long-winded, if you haven't noticed already. But um, one, I managed to uh, be able to work from home, which was awesome. And I uh, just started raking in the overtime. Um, so, you know, money, money, money. yeah, where most people, you know, or where a lot, a lot of people were forced at home and kind of going insane. Uh, for me, it was like a dream come true. It was like, oh, yay, I don't have to drive anywhere. And I'm just, you know, making all this cash and, you know, Meg's been able to stay home. And um, sure, yeah. anyway, no, the media, yeah. yeah. So I went through these crazy waves where, number one, I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to like work 12 hours a day, six days a week. Like I just signed me up for all of it. And even though that was very beneficial. Was that a great idea, Tony? Also ran myself into the ground (laughs) and like had exhaustion and, uh, and was kind of going nuts for a number of reasons. I wasn't uh, giving myself any downtime whatsoever. uh, No creative time whatsoever. Um, Like I actually got to the point where like, I miss sitting down on my laptop and trying to come up with oh. my next book, even though I hate sitting down and reading and trying to write it, but what is this? Are oh. you just now seeing that news? Yeah. Star Wars Detours animated series finally set to release on Disney Plus after nine year purgatory. 
Was that the bad? Yes. Uh, That's that horrific Star Wars animated show we were talking about a couple of months ago. Oh, wow. Oh, Holy shit. <laughs> so, they heard you, Byron. And, oh, they, they, they heard the clarion call. Not Byron, only, not only are they releasing... begging for this horrible... Oh my god. Not only are they releasing the uh, original episodes, the like 38 episodes that they had produced, they're uh creating an, an additional 12 episodes to finish it out. And that's <laughs> it wasn't that the one the robot chicken one? Yeah, the robot <laughs> chicken. The one that wow. we were joking was like so bad that they literally put it in a can never to be seen again. Oh my god. Like oh. the fucking Ark of the Covenant. Good <laughs> <laughs> god. Wait a second. Uh, this is anyway. What was I blabbling about? I was blabbing too. Long. Sorry, I, I just no. I had I didn't uh, see that before, and I I was scrolling Reddit and I saw it and I was like, oh, I was not aware of that either. The overtime was um, burning you out, and uh... oh yeah. So yeah, I definitely had ups and downs through this past year. Even though I was very like in a good position, like I wasn't you know begging for a job or anything, um, but on what we were talking about how like i you know i i know that i kind of get low if i'm not creating after a while on the flip side it's it's a very i realized it's a constant uh trying to maintain the balance between trying to be productive and you know get that rush of oh yeah i made a new a new creative thing i i made a new song on guitar i wrote a new thing or whatever stupid thing you come up with sure, yeah. at the same time that can be addictive to the point where it gives you a bit of anxiety like oh if i'm not being productive then i'm failing and yeah. it's a whole other struggle whole other beast where you have to allow yourself downtime to rest and recharge without feeling guilty of like oh i'm i'm not doing something i'm not working i'm not making sure, something sure. new you know yeah Do you struggle with that at all like trying to figure out like if you're if you should be auditioning yeah. for the next thing or uh or just take it uh, I guess I do, but I think everybody has different degrees of that and that it's different for everybody. Cause like, it's not like, you know, like the balance and the, of, of how to, the, the way to balance that isn't something that's taught to us in like Jedi academies at a young age. It's something we learn over time. And it's not like, you know, we have like, you know, everything out there is great. Everything, you know, we do is like perfect. You know, maybe this is a bit of like a, a cynical like Matt Besser improv take on things but I don't know if you know who that is but like I'm looking at the Star Wars detours like still shots and like that was somebody's idea that <laughs> that yeah. got greenlighted <laughs> right so that was their vision and they may feel like maybe they did that and like they were completely on the floor just like scrolling for ideas, trying to figure out, like trying to get this thing out there. And that's what they produced. And well, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing that is happening 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, kind of my response to uh, watching Godzilla versus Kong, Kong this past week. I was like, well, that was a movie. <laughs> Did we all uh, finally watch we... it? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Because my HBO Max login is not working for some reason. Um, yeah, that's all right. We were still well, actually we're oh, at about man. an hour, and um, we, Sean, are yeah. you are you watching uh, the Marvel stuff? Are you watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, yeah actually, I've been I've saw four episodes well, so far. Real quick, is there any is there any news that we have? Yeah. 
Um, is there? There was a little bit of news this week. Uh, the Star Wars a bit, thing. Not... The uh, John Williams is coming back for Indy Five, so we got that. That's pretty cool. I and, am pretty stoked about that. Actually, huge. And news. they cast uh, oh, yeah. Waller Bridge. Um, um, so yeah. she's in Bond and in in Indy. Indy. Yep. Wait, is she Indy. in James Bond, or did she just write it? Uh, I don't know. The the latest one that's still waiting to come out? Yeah. No Time uh, to Die. So she... Uh, um, Daniel Craig specifically picked her to co-write the screenplay for the movie. Oh, wow. That's cool. And he yeah. said it, if they didn't, he was not going to be in it. <laughs> yeah. What else has she... Yeah. Was she writer on... Um... She was the... She was like the creator of that show Fleabag. Fleabag. I that's another one that's on my list. I saw it's really watching. good. You should check that's it out. What I heard, yeah. And it's um, uh it's only one season, so you can just like get right through it. Okay. All right. Fleabag's great. Um uh something ridiculous. I I can't help but I mean, I guess since I looked it up for a previous podcast, um now it's just popping up in my Google feed. Um that Powerpuff Girls live action show. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. So they keep it's it looks like they're getting very wacky with it like the uh the house looks exactly like the the house from the show and they're actually going to have tom kenny back as the narrator so they're actually <laughs> going to narrate it <laughs> i mean that alone sells me for it right there i have tom to kenny is pilot. such a weird dude like uh did you guys ever watch um uh mr show with bob and david no, it was like Bob Odenkirk and um, David yeah. Cross's like a uh, stand-up or um, sketch comedy show in the mid '90s after um, after Bob Odenkirk had finished on SNL. Yeah, um, yeah I would. So I love it. It's incredible. It's like it's a it's a huge favorite. It was a it was yeah. like a sketch comedy show on HBO Max, so they could you know use adult language and stuff. They didn't really though. Hmm. Uh, but Tom Kenny, that's the first place I ever saw him, and he oh, met wow. his wife on that show. Um, who they're also, interestingly enough, they're also in the video for um, Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins. They play the two, <laughs> the two um, space explorers that get on the rocket and go to the moon. It's Tom Kenny and his wife. Um, God, you would know that little Pumpkins trivia. <laughs> yeah, of course. I actually noticed it recently. I was oh, like, wow. is that Tom Kenny? <laughs> anyway, so uh, Tom Kenny was in Mr. Show with Bob and David, and then... Shortly after that, he went on to do SpongeBob and then like <laughs> print money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> money, yeah, like you do. He became print money the for money himself, you know? yeah, yeah, pretty much. And because he, he's also the he's also the pirate in in SpongeBob. So yeah. Uh, Byron, you showed us uh, this week the official Mortal Kombat theme remix from the oh, new movie. Yeah. It, it slaps. Uh, I'm into it. it it's pretty yeah, good. It's pretty fun. It's pretty good. Yeah, I was into uh, it. I definitely had flashbacks to being like seven year olds doing like the worst, like just like mm, uh, 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 <laughs> in the garage, you know, <laughs> just looking like um, looking like a uh, uh, Star Wars kid, <laughs> looking like Star Wars kid in the basement. I was gonna say uh, um, George Michael Bluth, but. <laughs> Um, speaking of ridiculous stuff from your childhood or like being ridiculous in your childhood. Um, well, we you know, uh, DMX sadly passed away this past week. Yeah. Um, going to give it to was, you. 
Next going to give it to you. So uh, we were, uh, I, I was just like, you know, farting around on Instagram like I do. And a friend of mine, everybody's like posting tribute stuff. And a friend of mine posted something and had Rough Riders playing behind it. And I messaged her. I was like, you know, somewhere there's a lost camcorder tape, like a mini DV camcorder tape with me and my seventh grade friends, a <laughs> bunch of little Hispanic kids <laughs> singing along to Rough Riders. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's good amazing. Time. So classy. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, that was a rite of passage. <laughs> we also, uh, Paramount announced a new Star Trek movie for 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So after all the nonstop uh, chatter about, well, they're working on this one or this one or, or maybe that's that Star Tarantino movie back. was never going to happen. As soon as they like, even right. it leaked about it, I was like, there's no fucking way this is ever like it's it's Planet of the Titans all over again. Like it's a cool idea, but it's never gonna happen. Real quickly, what was the idea you think it was gonna be? It was gonna be Guardians Forever meets Carl Urban? Uh I mean, I'm guessing supposedly it had to do with time travel, so I'm guessing it probably was the Guardian Forever. Yeah. Going back some time to the Tarantino. <clears throat> yeah, and there was like, I don't know, there was some speculation. Um, I also it, it seemed like an interesting yeah. idea, but I don't know. I don't Tarantino so, doesn't scream yeah. Star Trek to me. So, so, so I I heard that among I heard and I heard of it heard that they were just kicking it around for fun. They weren't like actually serious. That everyone had a good had fun reading the treatment and the scripts and the sides. Oh yeah, I'm like sure not a serious. Well, because I'm sure the, the executives in Paramount got like really hyped about it. Like, oh, we could do this. And then oh, yeah. they were like, oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. we can't yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we, tons we, of hype. Even. And then there there was the other, there was the, uh, there was a couple other pitches that have sort of like bopped around. Um, there was the uh, to, the other time travel one that was going to be Star Trek Four that was going to bring back um, Thor um, right yeah that, that was the one i was thinking that was the and dad, they were gonna do like him and his dad were gonna do like a space buddy comedy um like you know i think that one starfleet stuff was like way older and that's dead in the water because they couldn't nail down the contracts for that yeah because yeah um chris pine is like a really big star now and <laughs> well, Star Trek can't afford it. All of them are Chris Pine and <laughs> Yeah, all of them. Chris yeah, pretty much. Zoe Saldana. Um you know I mean Carl I... Urban is doing the boys now. So right, right. That was um, twenty fifteen. And then I mean uh, I think God has what? Carl Urban had a single miss in his career so far? Well Dread <laughs> Dread is great, but it was a big miss. Financial, 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 financial. You know, the movie yeah. is fantastic, but you yeah, know, it bombed really hard. Yeah, uh, we we haven't even discussed. Did this come out after last episode? I don't think we even talked about uh, Picard season two. Picard oh, season the teaser, two, yeah, teaser came out and with Q, Q yeah. is back, Fucking baby. Q. You know, I, 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 I was actually, I was thinking about this a couple, a couple months ago, like. They they bookended the series with Q, and so mm-hmm. bringing back Picard and not br- having any mention of Q is very weird. Like, you know, like I mean, I, I I said this when the the series was first announced. If this series does not end with Picard and Q walking off into the sunset, it's a failure. <laughs> it's a failure. 
You just go walk off and I mean, that. Q's definitely going to gloat at Picard and be like, ha, you died. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm a robot now. And he's like, sure. <laughs> Thank God, you're right. Wait a minute. Well, That's true. It, you know, you know where that could go. Like as a, as he's like just mind brain cells forming, but maybe that Picard is in another continuum and they're looking back. It's like a wonderful life for the entire season. You mean like the episode of from season six, Tapestry, where he yeah, gets what if stabbed through the heart he's, by a Nazi? He's dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. He's just he's just a dead Picard being dead. And Q's like, "You're back." Well, we learned a lesson. Where he becomes a <laughs> Lieutenant Junior Grade Picard again. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, pretty much like Picard makes a decision. He's like, "Oh man, if I'm just a lonely lieutenant, then I have to kill myself." <laughs> <laughs> I was really curious about uh, how they were going to explain away, you know, John Delancey having naturally aged. Where I mean, oh, Twitter's already Twitter's pretty... already figured that out. They're gonna de-age him CG, <laughs> and then he's gonna make a quip at Picard saying, "Oh, you're old. I'm gonna be I'm old, old now." Too. Yeah, yeah, that's what exactly. <laughs> I think go. we Perfect. talked about this on several episodes ago, where I figured they would it would it would it would be a perfect comedic cue for a, a, a cue for <laughs> cue for John Delancey to make oh. some jab about how bad you know Picard looks and everything he's like here out of sheer pity I'll join you or something <laughs> like that <laughs> just to mock him yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited there, there was also there were a bunch of teaser there were a bunch of um, hints in the teaser trailer uh, like um, there were there were hints at the Cardassians being somehow referenced. Um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, but if we know Q is back, uh, it's a perfect opportunity to uh, bring in Guinan, since we know that uh, he offered her a role. That's well, she's already confirmed as being in season. Oh, she's two. confirmed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. They did that whole thing publicly where he was like. Uh, it, it was like a promotional thing where like he said on Twitter, like, Hey, would you like to be in the show? And she was mm -hmm. like, yes. And supposedly they'd already like yeah. signed the papers. It was already so, yeah. nice. Awesome. So that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That was back when Kim Kardashian was still married to Kanye. <laughs> so. Back in those days. Oh, um, one one last thing I wanted to mention about the Star Trek movie is that uh, it seemed. Remember a couple weeks ago we heard the news that 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 writer um, was writing a script for Star Trek Four. The Star Trek Discovery uh, yeah. writer. Uh, the, yeah, the Star Trek Discovery oh, yeah. and Short Treks writer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks like that's most likely who's doing it because uh... this is only a few weeks after that announcement. So mm -hmm. right. Well, it was a pretty public announcement across a lot of the different like variety deadline all that. So I'm like, really, yeah. I'm really uh, interested to see what her take is because I think it's really, I think it's a really good thing that they got a female writer for the movies um, well, because the movie is most of the public's well, usually their exposure to Star Trek. So you know, I for do you remember her name? I forgot her last name, but her first name is the name of a character in TOS, Kalinda. Right. Yeah. Um, who played yeah uh, and like 
she's really young. Like she's just like, just like right, right out of the gate of like USC, I think, or I might not be USC, but Kalinda Vasquez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's like, um, uh, been in the writer's room for discovery for, you know, at least two seasons. And as like, she also I think like done a really good, um, once upon a time, fear the walking yeah. dead. Okay. That's the other show. Fear the Walking um, Dead. I'm just restarting wait, which that. Which season of Fear the Walking Dead? <laughs> I wonder if she was part of the new uh, season, the oh, reboot season. The new, the new seasons. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 2018. Uh, and that's correct. So I'm she started. She started on Prison Break. She wrote for Prison Break for a while. She did Human Target. Wow, Human Target. That was a long time ago. Maybe uh, she's Nikita, actually. A Once upon a time, Runaways, Fear the Walking Dead. It wasn't Prison Break like almost ten years ago now. Yeah, it uh, looks like she joined during the la- the the end. Like, oh my, years. you're right. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of someone else. But she, yeah, they, the picture that they that I saw the um, the picture I have on this article is like really like a lot before the writer's strike. Like, <laughs> Jeez, the 2006 uh, writer's strike. The uh, yeah. heroes killing writer's strike. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of uh, spinning off of talking about The Walking Dead, uh, there was a little snippet of, uh, or I think it was a, a Twitter exchange this past week with uh, Kirkman and fans where um, yeah, they're talking about, I think he was doing like a ask me anything sort of thing about Walking Dead stuff. And because um, the, you know, the show is going to be coming to a close and the other shows are going to be kicking off and whatever. Uh, somebody asked uh, specifically about Clementine, the protagonist from oh, the, oh, from the games. Uh, Telltale yeah. games. Oh, yeah. And uh, Robert Kirkman said two words stay tuned. What? Yeah. Oh, shit. What? Cool. I guess they're going to bring her into the uh, live action verse. That's amazing. That'd be pretty rad. Um, uh, fantasy casting uh, time. Who would you say? Oh, God. Well, now at what age? Because we see her kind of grow uh-huh. up, right? Because yeah. uh, at this point, at, at the in the the Walking Dead Beyond, the like that's thirty years, ten years. 10, thirty? 30. It's not thirty years. No, no, no. It's like because there was a ten year jump, right? Oh, the current time in the show. Um, right. the, the... I think it's about twelve years have passed. Actually, in this pat this the season finale they just did the Negan episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they they said specifically because it, it was about 12 between 12 and 13 years because it shows negan um like present time and then flashes back like it literally says like 12 years ago and it's the beginnings of the apocalypse with his wife and they're hiding out and trying to survive and then it jumps even further it was kind of ridiculous right. it's like six months or six weeks ago from that Two days ago from that, it's a weird episode. <laughs> if she can do an American accent, Nathalie Emmanuel, Miss Andy from Game of Thrones. If she can do an American accent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Miss Andy, who is. Oh, oh. Uh... Nathalie Emmanuel. Yeah. Oh. Because she is a translator, right? I'm yeah. Thinking of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of becomes her like trusted advisor, uh, Daenerys is. Uh... Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see her do. Um... Right. Put a baseball cap on her. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, any gaming news? Any... Nothing recent. Uh, I had uh, just that one. Mass Effect, uh, I... 
Mass Effect Legendary Edition went gold, so that's a good news. Woo! Um, that's gonna be a day one purchase for me. Yeah. Um, I Byron, I saw something about the creator of Silent Hill. He was teasing a new horror project. Yeah. Um he's he's been uh, working, he created a new game studio uh okay early early last year. Yeah. And um uh they're starting to like get into like serious development on it. So I'm yeah. excited. So two bits yeah, of just... uh, news from my childhood, like the formative games of my, uh, my years, Diablo two remaster is hit oh, yeah. uh, alpha and the reviews are coming out and I've seen some footage, some people playing it on Twitch. It looks fucking amazing. It looks really good. And uh, it's probably going to be a game that I'm going to spend a thousand hours in. And then uh, also we got uh, a new Age of Empires 4 trailer. I'm pretty excited about that. I saw that yesterday. And um, Bill, I, Bill Gates uh, delivered I, on his promise. <laughs> <laughs> I spent, I mean, I played pretty much every single iteration of the game. I played the original one came out. I bought the oh, Rise wow. of Rome expansion. That blew my mind. And then Age of Empires 2, holy crap. Fucking amazing. And the HD oh, remake man. they did a couple of years ago is pretty good too. Yeah. And they're all on Game Pass now. Yeah. So, and uh, Age of Empires Four comes out day and date. Uh, day comes out. It's on Game Pass. Isn't that the game where you like build an empire and fight mm -hmm. empires? Something. Like yeah, that? yeah. You, you like you can pick a like the Romans like, or wasn't the it, Carthaginians wasn't it like, or with the commercial with the really hot chick that would like be narrating. You know, like build your empire. And oh no, those are those are shitty mobile games. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's I was. What I thought, but the way you guys were describing it kind of reminded yeah. me of that commercial. So I'm like, are they talking about? The I same mean, those games definitely w would not exist without Age of Empires. Yeah. Right. In fact, okay. a lot of the you know, mobile game ads I've been seeing lately are just like, like use like assets. Yeah, literal yeah. ripoffs of Age of Empires, the HD remake. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. So Age of Empires is where it started, and then. You know, yeah, it's, it's one of the original it's one of the original rts's it's a good time to be a, a real-time strategy uh fan recently because we're getting home they announced home homeworld 3 a few years ago finally we got the command and conquer remastered collection which sold like hotcakes so maybe 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 we'll get another command and conquer game Mainly RTS has been game. dead for a few years now, so it's good to see it's coming back. Yeah, I feel like all the millennials that played RTSs when they were like ch children uh, are now like older and like like maybe don't just want to play shooters. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think the the well, one franchise that's been kind of holding the RTS genre has been like the Total War franchise. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and they're doing. Aren't they remaking the first Total War game? They're remaking they Rome. Just announced it. Uh, so, the first was one the was popular, Shogun. Right? The, that was the first oh, okay. one. But well, Rome was the most popular. Rome was when it really hit, and then Medieval Two is when it when it really like blew the fuck up. Blew up, yeah. And so they're they're remaking the most popular. Yeah, they're remaking that one. Generation. And they also announced uh, Warhammer Three. So this is the third. Uh, oh shit! The third game in the Warhammer series. Man, there's so oh, many wow. Warhammer games now. Jeez. Yeah, Warhammer is kind of blown up video game wise. Uh, mostly the 40k side of the universe not the fantasy side i'm more of a fantasy fan um but the 40k universe has a there's even like a warhammer like a vr game like oh there's a couple there's a couple Warhammer Crazy. vr games wow yeah. i think you can play well, vermintide in, in vr 
that's crazy. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, classics getting remade, this is unofficial. It's a fan made, but Metroid Prime is getting a oh 2D. Metroid Prime 2D remake. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're definitely yeah. going to get a cease and desist from Nintendo. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, probably. Nintendo cease and desist everything. They even YouTube uh, <laughs> cease and desist reviews of fucking <laughs> Nintendo games. So, God. That's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, I saw that, and it, it's only a demo out right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The there was screenshots that went up uh, as uh, like on April Fools on April first, so people were like, "Oh, that's not." But then apparently, yes, the demo is in fact real, and there's a, a little teaser trailer and stuff. Um, but yeah, looks fun. I mean, we need something to tide us over while they spend another ten years on Metroid Prime Four. I mean, <laughs> I was just reading um, uh, on Reddit. Somebody made a mention that uh, Nintendo has not officially mentioned uh, Metroid Four in over eight hundred days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was their what's the big Nintendo uh, like press event or whatever? Uh, it was like two years ago, I think two or, two or three years ago that they just showed a like a splashy title for metroid prime uh like a new game coming up it's like fucking bethesda they announced uh they announced starfield starfield and elder Scrolls 6 like four fucking years ago and yeah. we still haven't heard a single damn word about either game since wow Dude, it's weird like what did anybody hear anything about breath of the wild 2 and then just just and then like turn on their switch and see like Hyrule Warriors. Just they, when they announced well, Hyrule were, Warriors, they also announced Breath of the Wild. So there, too. there was some speculation mm -hmm. that Breath of the Wild Two was going to come out this year, but a lot of after the fact, what people have realized is that what people thought was Breath of the Wild Two was just Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule well, Warriors. Hyrule uh, Breath of the Wild Two is oh. coming. So that that's no, 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 no. I know that, but covered. but there yeah. there were there were leaks that uh, Breath of the Wild Two was coming out this year, and. A lot of people mm. think that that information was crossed and people just misinterpreted and it was actually Hyrule Warriors. Because it was all rumor mill until... Because, I mean, uh, it's, I mean it looks... It, if you saw screenshots of that and you didn't know yeah. exactly what was happening, I would easily think that that could be Breath of the Wild, too. Yeah. yeah. Is it well, interesting yeah. to see those? I mean, that's that's kind of been a Nintendo thing for quite some time and especially with zelda the amount of care that they put in those games like i remember seeing the very first uh like demo screenshots for um ocarina of time like as Back they in, were developing like, it in the nintendo power magazine yeah and there was a page on it about this new zelda game that they're working mm -hmm. on i think it might have just called it like zelda 64 at that time while they were developing it and you know uh, where i first played ocarina of time huh. at john webb's house because <laughs> he was the first per person in our friend group to get a, a Nintendo 64 when we were in sixth grade. <laughs> I, that's one that, that, that passed Meg up, and I she had never played it, and I bought her. That's because, uh, remember, 3DS. my brother was the only one allowed to play video games at the time. Because oh, okay. video games uh, weren't womanly. They were not <laughs> for girls. I mean, my parents really didn't care. They, you know, my mom and my dad both played games. But my brother had it in his stupid thick skull that the consoles were his when in fact they were everyone's. 
Well, your brother's yeah. a sociopath. Well, he is. <laughs> but that's point. <laughs> well, I think you said you didn't have the classic consoles, right? You only had Game Boy and like you didn't have the home well, consoles. We had SNES and Sega Genesis. And then we had all of the Game Boys. Okay. Um, every year, my mom got us a new Game Boy that was out. And then I got a hey, yes. Link's Awakening, my favorite Zelda game. That's on the Game Boy. One of the yeah. top Game Boy, the top Zelda games, and now remastered on the Switch, right? Yeah, yeah, I have that version too. Yeah, it's that. funny because like I have like purposefully not beaten it because I don't want to beat it. <laughs> you don't want it to end. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to hear that show. goddamn Windfish song. <laughs> but I mean, Zelda is one of my favorite franchise, like video game franchises yeah. now. So even though yeah. I didn't really grow up with it and the nostalgia that a lot of other people have, I've played it in my early 20s and since and have fallen in love with it i yeah. have a fucking hyrule or a zelda shield on our wall <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah i bought her uh the 3ds when it came out remake the, of ocarina of time yeah the ocarina of time remake yeah she loved that that's a good game i really like that game mm-hmm. let's see this is my nintendo switch nice uh, case nice <laughs> it's oh, it, it, it's it's like a shika shield but only ah, only only softer i want a switch um, version of uh link's awakening that's what i want that's isn't that what we were just talking about they, they came out with one no no it's no coming. he was talking about the He's game a, boy one uh isn't link no uh, uh the game boy do you mean of, um uh oracle season no no a link to the past a link to the past sorry oh yeah yes yeah. yeah. oh. gotcha supposedly the uh the Link, Link to the Future started out as a full, just regular remake of Link to the Past, but then Nintendo was like, "But what if it was j- a sequel?" Are you talking about a Link Between Worlds or a Link Between Worlds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's basically a straight sequel um, to or spiritual sequel, I guess, to uh, Link to the Past. But yeah, that's a great one. That's I played that one last year. I played that one in Breath of the Wild. That was good times. Uh, guys, we are almost going to get into hour. it. Yeah. We're I was going to hour ask, and like, 30, and we never yeah. even talked about talking to Winter Soldier. <laughs> let's, I, I, let's I, was, do it. I was hoping, yeah, like we could segue out uh, using, you know, just list, like let's list up all the things, you know, that we started, we were sort of teasing it, weren't we? I mean, I'm not really part of this conversation right now. Okay, man. I'm just sort of like dominating it. Uh, but like Camp Wakanda, uh, different kinds of shields. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, how do we segue? Uh, Metal arms? Did anybody speak about beheadings? Oh boy! Beheadings? Oh my! Yikes. Oh boy! Okay, so I have so to say, I really liked this episode a lot. As did I. I yeah. think uh, this is my probably my favorite episode of the season. Yeah. Uh, well, we finally got some. Uh, it, it was cool that we had the nice uh, parlay with sam and uh what's her face carly morgenthau carly morgenthau yeah because uh one kind of painted a clearer picture of what she and the black smashers are exactly after uh i mean they've been given this vague notion of like oh yeah we want things to go back to how they were during the uh during the blip and uh you know she says it very plainly like you know when when the shit hit the fan and half the population disappeared. They were open, they were welcomed with open arms. And then once the, you know, everybody returned, they lost their homes. And essentially it was just like, Oh, we're like, 
forget it. We're just going to go back to the way things were before. Bye. You're on the other side of the fence now. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're, you're illegals now, essentially. <laughs> uh, which is very fucked up. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's effectively, right. they're, they're talking about a refugee crisis is effectively what yeah. that is, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. topical and, topic because... You know, it's like the blip is essentially COVID-19 in a way, but then you also have like the flag smashers and then global repatriation council. And like, what does that, you know, what does that, and then Baron Zemo and what does that uh, represent, you know? Sweet dance moves. That's what that represents. <laughs> Euro rich kids. <laughs> That's what he represents. This is my Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> this, oh yeah. Well, I wonder what the like the Marvel Cinematic Universe's equivalent of like Bitcoin is like, because they have the technology to like, they're quantum leaps ahead Start of Start coin. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, what is that? <laughs> oh, Zemo has Bitcoin. He's he's got <laughs> he's so dead. much Bitcoin. He get, he got in. He. he how his his family made money was he get got in on Bitcoin in two thousand seven. Yeah, <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. Oh, you know, Bear, Zemo is definitely going to invest in NFTs. He's going to have a virtual like virtual NFT gallery in like a VR headset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> him the power broker. Um, yeah. So I, I was I was actually talking to my sister um, the other day, texting about it about the episode, and she said uh, when the you know, when the credits rolled, like her jaw dropped, like she was like in shock. She didn't expect things mm-hmm. with Walker to go that south that fast and that like brazenly and out in the open. You know, she's thinking it'd be more I definitely like a, did. <laughs> uh, a slow burn. And I, I honestly, it didn't, I, it didn't shock me that much because they were clearly dropping the major hints. Like he was roid ragey even without the serum all the episode. Yeah. Yeah, and I, like so desperate to prove himself. And I said he was going to be a little war crimey. I didn't think exactly how how bad the war crimes were going to get. Like beheading a clearly defenseless person in front of civilians. Yeah. That's about as far as you can go. Yeah, well, the, the, the actual got... act itself was shocking. Yeah. Uh, the 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 road leading up to it was not. Yeah, I mean, once he got once he got juiced up, and then his yeah. friend bought the farm i was that was instantly like oh that's it this is it he is out for blood yeah. period right. <laughs> Sean. Um, but that's a funny thing is like i think we we never actually saw him take the sip right uh, we saw him do everything that was possible that cat could do you know jump from like three stories up and everything is with just withstand like huge injuries and so but then we see immediately that everything's like really bad right like yeah. I thought that he was going to go and do something horrible and then take the serum or have to wrestle with the, with possibly needing the serum in order to like be a true super soldier and get all like smart in the head about his soldier. So, uh, you know, soldiering, but the fact that he took it and that there's no, and that no one else knows except him. And then, and cap, I mean, and Sam and Stan and like Zemo means that it's an open secret in a way, but it's also like, they're they're going to say like I think I think the, the GRC is, or the GPC the Global Repatriation Council is going to be like I don't think that he knew what he was doing but they know that he has a serum and because the world doesn't know that he's been super soldiered up they can all chalk it up to being to just being stressed out having one bad day you know <laughs> but this is a fucked up theory no FCC regulations here yeah, yeah you know. Uh- 
My theory. I don't know about that personally. <laughs> okay. Um, mainly a too on the nose to go the one uh, bad day route. Yeah, mainly because uh, all those motherfuckers had their phones out. <laughs> That's also the other thing. Yeah. And they like, caught um, you in 4K. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't mean. Um, um, so I'm glad you're punching holes in this argument because I was like, I was a little worried. I was surrounded by like, you know. Like Zemonites and uh, Flag Smashers, and uh, I'm kidding. I'm, of course not. Well, the, and that's actually so. That's something that I've really appreciated the that the show has done, and why this episode really, uh, I think, stood out to me was because uh, they started to get at the message that they've been dancing around the rest of the show. Um, mm-hmm. That they that there is uh, a um, a sympathy to these characters. That I did not expect them to take. Yeah. They are they are actually talking about their plight with some semblance of of um, uh, like Sam specifically says that like he agrees with what they're doing. He just yeah. doesn't agree with how they're how doing they're, it. How, yeah, mind you, they're still taking the the stance that like the this character is you know, this Marvel character is upholding the status quo. They, they can't really have Sam be like, yeah, let's burn it all to the ground. You know, Um, Uh, like I would like that, but yeah. Sam is the, he's, he's the, he's the the central character here, you know, like really, I mean, it's the Falcon and the winter soldier, right? Like what is Stan think? What is, what is like Bucky think, you know, what is Sebastian Stan's like, deal here is he just like along for the ride as a side character or is he i would say there's a bad argument i would say that bucky probably would not be super uh cool about like um burning the status quo to the ground you know i but he's also bit but he's also been through a lot of shit so like maybe that's not true i think it's the opposite i think bucky would be really for it and he just doesn't give a shit anymore like uh, other than like his personal redemption and growth, like global politics to him, he is done with that. He is done with being. Yeah, but that, that also sort of like represents like the end of the United States, and he's like an American serviceman that like yeah. spent decades defending the United States. So that so I have a very strong like uh, like at, at least we've seen that Sam has mixed feelings about his service. I mean, that was alluded to in the mm-hmm. first Captain America movie, or, or at least uh, uh, Winter Soldier, that is, his first Captain America movie. So, like, we know that Sam has, like, weird feelings about his his time as, yeah. but like, when, his vet status. When Bucky was a vet, like, he was, he had, they had a clear goal and clear message. There were Nazis that he had to punch. That was the, that was the thing then. Now, not so much. I mean, there's still Nazis that need to be punched, just sadly, yes. <laughs> not as obvious as the well I, I think the telling moment i think the telling moment is how he responded to the cops in episode two mm. i think that moment really sort of like solidifies that huh. he his relationship to authority is like very traditional mm. yeah well they they have that quick conversation on the plane i believe uh sam and bucky and sam says something to the extent of uh oh because bucky tells him like like you shouldn't have given them that shield and sam says back like i didn't like i did not give it to him he's like a uh, um 
he's basically saying like the Bucky's saying like, it was a mistake to give it up. Sam's like probably the best thing would have been just to melt the damn thing or something like that. He said to destroy it. But then Bucky snaps back. He says something that said like that means something like that's a symbol that means something to, to people. Now, I don't know how much of that is like political Urago team USA or just his allegiance to Steve and what he what Steve fought for. I think yeah. it means more so. to the world than just America now. I think Captain America has become a global savior figure in in his he literally life. saved the planet yeah, so in his work with the yeah. avengers so i mean it's not yeah. just it's not just an american thing it's a symbol for the whole world yeah uh, you know there's something he uh, that that bucky also said to you, to sam before like that that you know impromptu like uh marriage counseling sort of uh thing was uh you remember that that scene this is spoilers but you know how Bucky's like therapist is like parole therapist is, is like, you have to talk this out so I can just do this formality and release it. And he talks to Sam and he asks, and he tells Sam that he can't, that if, if Steve Rogers was wrong about Sam being Captain America, that he might be wrong about him, about how, what Bucky can do. Bucky. That maybe Bucky's completely broken inside. He can't, you know, that's a terrifying place to, to reckon with uh, yourself with. So, I think that's the most you know, I, I, I think that's the most powerful line the show has had so far is that that little interaction the exact interaction that you're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think also, it's a big question too. Which seems like it's coming from a place of survivor's guilt for for uh for Bucky. Bucky. Yeah. 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 Um, um uh yeah, we've had uh, these ongoing very interesting conversations about the character of Zemo because where someone like me who was not familiar with the comics version of Zemo, like every, uh, the evolution of Zemo has made sense to me. You know, he was, uh, was originally a tragic figure. You know, he lost his family in Sokovia, blames the Avengers for that destruction and is hell bent on basically all super. Oh, we, we actually equated it earlier to, uh, um, what's his name buddy from the incredibles like he got hurt by supers therefore all supers must die and and he's a tragic figure figure because he literally put a gun in his mouth and tried to blow his head off but you know black panther stopped him yeah now uh this has been extremely perplexing to byron who was a fan of the comics and in the comics iteration or zemo was originally a Nazi. <laughs> he was a yeah, straight up a Nazi. Yeah. Like his his father was one of the leaders of Hydra and like yeah. raised his son as a believer in like white supremacy and the and like the, the like the power of the the white race as being dominant. Yeah. And and, and be, to believe in fascism. So yeah. it, it it's very weird to realize that like Zemo is like spouting some of the same things that I believe in, in this iteration, the MCU version. The MCU. Which, yeah. Like the MCU version, like sort of seems like he would be in Antifa, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. He has yeah. Uh, yeah. that moment where he uh, uh, knocks out. Uh, I can't remember her name. It starts with a C. Um, oh no, he doesn't knock her out. He shoots her. Um Yeah. Yeah, the head of flag smashers. Yeah, and destroys all of the vials. Um, and I had it in the back of my mind, like, oh, is this going to be his little betrayal? 
Um, and Byron, uh, later when we talked, he's like, I fully expect him to pick one of those up for himself. Mm -hmm. Um, but he did not. And I thought that was great because it really reiterated this version of this character. He's an idealist. Like, yeah, yeah. he definitely is not someone seeking power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, well, who picked it up, right? John Walker picked it up. John Walker picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of starts to frame him as almost like the big bad of the show if you want to pinpoint a well that's the thing about this show it's it's because it's talking about these very real world topics Mm -hmm. this very realistic grounded version of this mcu reality it feels like there isn't very we were struggling to pinpoint like a big bad you know it's just a lot of people in unfortunate circumstances that are thus far we don't have a big bad because all of the big bads that we've gotten aren't as bad as we think yeah except yeah. for the character that in at least in outside of n- narrative irony we would understand would be the protagonist not the protagonist but at least a, a good guy by traditional sense which would be captain america yeah, yeah. so we're missing that archetype but in that just in one scene you have you have this flag sm- you have the lead flag smasher captain america john walker and zemo in one room and there's no falcon there's no winter soldier so what do they do right like we're and like because we don't have a central character to follow, we're left to sort of wrestle with why what we're watching is like the way is making sense, which I think is where that's coming from. Maybe like it was where you're coming from, Byron. Like you're, it's like what? Why would why would he do that? Or why would he not do that? Why wouldn't he just be a bad guy and get all those vials and put them in as many pockets as he has in a really big? No, it, it's definitely point. very refreshing to see. Uh, uh, because I'm 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 just really liking Zemo a lot. I I, I love him. He's great. Um, <laughs> he won you over with the oh dance. He really <laughs> did. He really did. <laughs> um, uh, but I, and and it goes back to actually, I think the best moment in the episode was Zemo's. Um, I think hands down when he's talking about supremacy, and when he's talking about um, anyone who takes the serum is a supremacist. They 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 can't help it. They, by seeking that power and they're choosing to put themselves above raise. Yes, yeah. exactly. They're Super choosing is, to put themselves up. It's the same, yeah. like, uh, like Khan Noonien saying in like the fucking eugenics wars, like, um, they are choosing to have ultimate power over us because there's no way that humans can go up again. I mean, Steve Rogers was a one man army. Like if so, by seeking that power we've we've seen and like steve rogers was in inassailable in his um in his like ethics you know but like most people are not steve rogers yeah i mean they even said uh, that they even had the line in the show where there's only ever been one steve rogers yeah and that line was actually zemo's line as as the antagonist he's supposed to have a bad argument a bad faith argument but is it I mean, he's, he's telling the truth. Like, it's true. There was a Steve, one Steve Rogers and he kind of didn't screw it up. Yeah. So, like, the rest of us are supposed to, like, achieve that? Or is that the standard we're supposed to hold ourselves to? Is that what Sam can do? Is that what Bucky can do? Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a big question. Yeah. But, yeah, I am really liking that they're, so far, anyway, choosing to uh, go this path with Zemo. He has, like... Yeah. The, very you know he's obviously very he has his slant on any supers essentially being just another form of fascist 
Um, but he's sticking to his ideals. He's not doing the mustache twirly villain thing mm-hmm. and just going, yeah, knife in the back, uh, which yeah. makes me wonder what they're going to, how this is going to play out there. If he's going to get some sort of uh, clemency, but then the uh, Dor- Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje come swoop mm-hmm. in to remind us that this dude is still a very bad dude who yeah, did very yeah. bad things. And uh, yeah, we're, we're not giving him any leeway. Like we're taking his ass back in and we get this glorious scene of Walker getting his ass handed to him. Oh, that was, a, <laughs> oh, it was, it was uh, chef's kiss. Oh, like oh. Bucky, Bucky, you're doing great Walker. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then he beheads a dude. <laughs> yep, that wow, you know, yeah, you, you you crack a little bit of that that fragility, man. It's it, uh-huh. that egg snap. That egg will never get put back together. Oh man, I mean the, the rest of the episode. Be, yeah, before he yeah. was juiced up, like he was already like, oh, he's like the guy who's like, I I, I drive a I, I drive a lifted truck and I'm I got truck nuts on it and I'm still not feeling manly <laughs> enough. <laughs> God. It's it's wild how great of a job they are at drawing that stereo, that archetype, and just pull it like turning the volume up on Paul on John Walker and being like, see, it like it's entertaining and also like oh god, it's it's just it's just such a it's so weird to see that to be like, oh my god, they really took it down. They really took him down. They really took down that, like, I, I don't even know. My mind is so, it's blown right now. It's actually just a bunch of Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that archetype. It's because the, we uh, all know one you know, of those, right? like, douchebag, like, broy bro type dudes that are eternally frustrated because nobody really respects them for what the what they think are, are amazing acts and demanding and, demanding respect it. instead of earning it exactly it's a nail well, on the head yeah exactly small dicks and they don't know how to deal with that yeah it's really uh so it's really because remember at the beginning of the show i was like they're bringing up a lot of themes and i am very unsure if they're going to be able to back that up with any like narrative weight you know uh, it looks like they're largely doing it. They're they're doing they're doing the work. Um, I I mentioned this to Sean earlier. I really do think I really do hope they bring back Isaiah Bradley to deal with that a little bit more because um, oh, yeah. it feels like that needs to be more solidified. There needs yeah. to be some more. Yeah, I have a question because that's a guys. pretty big thing. What's that? After this episode, are you still firmly? planted in the idea that Carter is the power broker? Oh, yeah. 100%. You think so? I am more sure of it now than I was before. Okay. Alright. Just curious. I'm a little more on board. Because they haven't really addressed that too much in the, in the show yet. Um, and we're, Well, she has access to her own satellite, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> She's casually like, I've got access to a satellite or two or whatever. Yeah, she when did. she said that, I was like, what? You have your own fucking satellite? <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, you're Tony fucking Stark. <laughs> yeah, is it? And isn't she supposed to be like in hiding too? Yeah, exactly. That's what. No, no. This this woman runs. Like this woman empire. runs this town. She's <laughs> yeah. she's uh taking it back to Mass Effect. She's the shadow broker. Yeah, she's, yeah. Liara. Well, she's, exactly. She's ruining this town. Is Madripoor? You know, like it's the it's ground zero for like everything that's gonna happen in Phase Four. Like the X Men, like Wolverine's probably hanging out somewhere. It's like insane. Yeah, he's at he's probably at a dive bar in Madripoor. <laughs> oh right, god, right. that would just oh god, come on, Feige, you gotta well, do something. Well, hey, like that. you guys heard, you guys heard. The supposedly, there is a huge cameo in episode five. Oh really? Shut yeah. the fuck up yeah. with the huge cameo shit. We did we did that with Wandavision. <laughs> well, and great. with now Mandalorian. I, now who, who I know I need to is, stay man. off the internet come Friday because I won't yeah. get a chance to watch until Friday night. So I did a little bit of digging on um, on the showrunner Malcolm Malcolm Spellman, uh-huh. and uh, he he is yeah. his he is a person of color. Um, his and so I was interested, and it turns out that his father is super interesting too. His father is A. B. Spellman, who was an African African American poet, music critic, and arts administrator, who was an arts administrator for the National Endowment of the Arts, the NEA. From 1975 to 2005, so this dude was like real connected in the like black high art, like high art community. So he's like, it, it yeah. makes a lot of sense how uh, how woke the show is yeah, because right. like his son was like just steeped in like black intelligentsia, and like like there's a Kahinda Wiley painting probably somewhere on that studio a lot that's just like serving as inspiration. <laughs> like like the the art department you know like it feels like one of those um it feels like it feels like there's like some serious like wakandan royalty like vibes that are like uh behind the entire uh, production you know and mm-hmm. again bucky you know is Wait, like, are, you, uh, are you saying that the wakandan royalty pulled strings to get yes somebody? that's what i'm saying <laughs> I, that's what i'm saying i didn't want to like snap? Yeah, I wanted you to put the clues together, and Byron, thank you for setting it up so I could knock it, um, ground ball that. But yeah, uh, that's how so better. What, we're what do you What do you guys think is going to happen to Walker? They can't. There's no yeah. way they can uh, keep him in the suit after that. Oh, publicly. That's, oh no, no fucking he's going to be. He's, he's going to be in the brig. He's done. He is yeah. Captain America no longer. No more. Yeah. Um, he's going, yeah. What do you, what does do you, it mean what, that he couldn't be USA? Yeah, they're still going to use him, just covertly instead of overtly now. So you think? Yeah, and there's also there's some it. speculation that um, uh, I mean, I don't think that Zemo would be into this, but um, it seems like to me that the denazification of Zemo is pretty literally going to lead to Thunderbolts. Like I've been I, I saying like they, it all along. I, I, I don't I feel like they wouldn't have and it makes more sense now about the denazification is because they can't they can't use him they couldn't make a Thunderbolts movie with one of their main characters being a fucking Nazi like yeah. you, you just like you can't you couldn't do that like yeah that's 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 not gonna cross over uh, well into Disney Plus um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you think uh, they yeah. throw they throw Walker under lock and key for a hot minute and then decide, oh, well, we still got a super soldier that we should use. So Thunderbolts. They're going to suicide squad him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Thunderbolts. That's literally what Thunderbolts uh, is. Thunder- right. Well, and U.S. agent 
was on the Thunderbolts. Mm -hmm. So there you go. It's likely he'll be there as a way to, you know, in the same way that like, uh, what's her name from Suicide Squad, who like basically ran. Uh, Harley Quinn? Thinking of Viola, Viola Davis. Uh, Viola Davis. Her, oh, um, that Sharon, um, what's her? Uh, Amanda, uh, Amanda Sharon, Waller. Amanda, yeah, Amanda Waller. Waller. Yeah. yeah. Like she's the, yeah, that he's there to, to keep them all under lock and key to keep make sure that Zemo doesn't do anything dumb. Right. But really, it's just like, at this it's point, like walking be... 40 dogs. It's like at walking this... five dogs at a time. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, at this point, would it be Zemo keeping an eye on Walker? <laughs> or... Yeah, right. Seriously. <laughs> Traditionally, that's the way yeah. it, it goes. Zemo is the leader, so. Well, that's the other thing is, like, Walker is, like, he's juiced up for good. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. They can't take that shit out of him, you know? Like, yeah. I, well, I mean, it's Marvel. They can really do whatever the fuck they want. But I don't think that's how that shit works. Like, they can't de-soldier super soldier him, you know? Like... But they are going to be able to, like, okay, obviously they're going to suicide squad him because they, Marvel needs a suicide squad. Um, to do Just uh, suicide squad. lock him in the cryo cell next to Blonsky and then <laughs> thaw them out in time for uh, what's uh, Rhodey's show? I'm surprised uh, that we haven't heard Herman anything about Blonsky or uh, the Abomination. Well, he's, he's coming back for uh, Armor Wars. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Or wait, no. Are we gonna get? No, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be in She-Hulk. I think that's what I heard. Really? One of those two shows. He's coming back. That character. He, he back. could. He could show up in either one, and both would make sense. We'll get the yeah. Quantum Realm prison, and that's where they'll put him. <laughs> well, they yeah, have. Hot, uh, they have. Um, oh, the Z dimension or whatever that they put them in. Oh, is that yeah. what it was? Not the Quantum Realm. I thought it was Quantum Realm prison. Yeah, it's it's. Phantom uh, Zone. Uh, I can't remember. I, it's called Z Dimension or something, where it's like a, it's like a prison that's in between universes. Yeah. Uh, Reed Richards and uh, Stark yeah. come up with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. But now hmm. I, I like this idea of the Phantom Zone, like the the seventies eighties version of the Phantom Zone, just a pane of glass, Whoa, just yeah. going through space. <laughs> uh, so minimal list. <laughs> but effective <laughs> alright guys we're creeping up on two hours right now um, but uh, yeah any, uh, any okay. final thoughts any other bits of news we missed or uh... um, I'm excited for that cameo um, I really like this episode I think the show is starting I think especially if once it's a little bit rewatched like as one thing I think it's going to be a lot more satisfying yeah I think we're a little like not sure where they were going. A lot of threads that we weren't sure where they were going to be, and it seems how like they were going to coming to cohesion. But yeah, I think this show would have done much better as a binge than a episodic. I also think it would have been a lot better if it had actually been the first Marvel show out of the door. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, rather than having to like mm. deal with like <laughs> high, coming after Wandavision, high concept yeah. Wandavision. <laughs> yeah. One division's fantastical ass. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just kind of the odd opinion out, but I still am not really into Winter Soldier show. Like, it's just, you guys are all talking about how this was your favorite episode. And although it had good moments, it was tech, like, I thought it was pretty boring, <laughs> to be honest. No, Meg, you know, traditionally does not like 
spy espionage movies. I don't. I really don't. So maybe and that's that, pretty much what I, this has turned into. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's mm-hmm. probably why I'm not really enjoying it as much as everyone else is because it's just that's not my kind of genre of, yeah. of show. Well, we may be highlighting it. like, yeah. oh, uh, very real world shades of gray and whatnot. Meg. So, no, I wanted to like <laughs> I want a definitive like villain. Like give me I Darth Vader. Know <laughs> that, that guy is the bad guy and we need to go kick his ass. <laughs> you don't need the born well, identity I mean, 15 different shades of oh. villainy. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. I don't. Well, you got like your that. villain now, and his Kate, his name is Captain America. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, it's just the whole like double switching and like double agent shit, and I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> Stop confusing me. Meg is Meg is in with the the '80s action. We need some big tits and big guns and explosions. Yes. <laughs> we need Atomic Blonde Part Two. Yes. <laughs> That was good. Shit. That was good, and that's see, that's a uh, uh, that's an exception for you because that was very yeah. espionage. Um, but it was pretty basic. It wasn't hard to like follow. Yeah, I don't know. And if you got confused, there was enough John Wick fights in there yes. to just you know, and hot lesbian sex. So you know, <laughs> can't go wrong there. That as well. <laughs> Remember, John, you look like you want to say something on that. Oh no, I just thought Atomic Blonde is great, uh, but. You know the remember berries for on that uh, for just like oh, just like sprawled on the floor. But well, I, I also I just want to say I don't I didn't like the first episode of, of Winter Soldier. I thought it was a little bit boring. I was expecting a lot more explosions and, and fantastical dimensions, and I was ready for the what if universe to sort of like take me in after Wandavision. But then I was like, oh, it's about politics. Oh, I, I like politics. I guess I'll keep. I guess I'll keep watching this. It's a res- it's my duty to America to watch the to watch the well, Falcon have, and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, it it is kind of interesting how I mean we this this uh, show is the most like grounded militaristic you know yeah. side story in this MCU that we've had since I think the Winter Soldier movie Cap Two. I mean, you could arguably Civil War, but even that, you had enough wacky Avengers in there yeah. to make it more fantastical like the rest of the Avengers films. It was basically a, like a midway Avengers movie. I think it's more but, Defenders, you know, or I think it's more like the Netflix yeah. MCU mm-hmm. than, than it uh, is the yeah. actual MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, so, definitely, Todd, for sure. Like, it does feel like Daredevil grounded, grounded, and there's a topical sort of, there's a thing going on where it's it's much more street-based look at the at the Marvel new cinematic universe, right? With Madripoor, with like them having to go through these like legal loopholes and all this other crap and being like, you were free agents. And then the media, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, wait, what about Tony, right? Like we're so used to Tony running the show, you know? And now that he's gone. Tony gone. There's, yeah. there's no funding for anything. There's no special suits for anybody. There's no right. like unlimited resource, like... MacGuffin to come in and save the day. What is what is Peter gonna do long term when since he doesn't have Tony to like give him upgrades or like like fix his yeah. suit? He had like a private jet with uh basically a Spidey suit 3D printer, didn't he? That he left him. Oh, that's <laughs> I totally forgot about that. And he's, he's also a smart kid. Yeah, he's He'll also figure a it out. He's also yeah. a genius on his own right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's it's true. interesting how we've got post uh, Infinity War we've got two sides of the MCU um, where they've mostly blended up to this point. 
Now we got to Infinity War and Endgame where everything, you know, completely crossed over and meshed well together. And now they're diverging paths again where you have some MCU projects, TV and film that are very much more spacey and fantasy and wizards mm-hmm. and wacky mm-hmm. and whatever, whatever the big three were, the aliens, aliens. wizards or something else. Wizards and robots. Oh, aliens, yeah. androids, and, and, and wizards. There you're you're going to have that side of it where it's like political thrillers and armor wars and stuff like that. And then the crazy, spacey, zany stuff until they eventually merge together again for the next big Avengers movie or whatever. But it seems like there's going to be two very distinct paths for the next several years. We've got, Which is largely how the comics work, too. Yeah. So we've got all the armor wars and Winter Soldier and stuff. And then next up is Loki. Which is yeah bananas, yeah. And he's a time, time cop. Authority. He's a time cop now. Time <laughs> cop, Loki, yeah. Well, and and so oh, he's uh, got to do that. Bandana. I looked it up, and this whole time hands. variance authority. This is uh, it's straight out of Fantastic Four comics from the early seventies. So like oh, this wow. whole storyline is taken from FF comics in the seventies. Okay. Nice. I do love the uh, what's the name of the time authority people or whatever the time variance authority time variance authority. I love how fallout it looks just oh yeah 50s 60s office space but you know sci-fi level give me some retro futurism oh good times yeah. and Owen Wilson to guide us on yeah. the journey <laughs> good wow. casting supposedly yeah. the the character that Luke will, or that Owen, Owen Wilson, Wilson is playing um was originally the character was modeled to look like Mark Grunewald, who is one of uh, who was an editor at Marvel in the seventies. Oh wow! So the That's character right. himself was like drawn to look like Mark Grunewald. That's right. All right. Well, question. Go ahead, uh, Sean. I, this is probably for another episode, but you heard about the She Hulk series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I probably I actually mean a minute now. I think about it. I probably shouldn't say this, but. I have it on good authority that somebody from the show that I'm working on is heavily involved in that TV show. So there's some crossover there for, and they're not just like, it's not like art production, but it's like a, you know, definitely above the line thing. And like, even though I've, I've probably just like broken a hundred different rules. I <laughs> yeah. Hope I'm that like, they, uh, yeah. Sean, Sean, do you need to say yeah. talking right now? <laughs> I, I hope that you believe me. Are we going to uh, get a cease and desist actually, letter for yeah. this episode of getting yeah. off topic? Hey, any press uh, is good press. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to stir up the pot here because the, the, nobody, I don't know if anybody wants this soup, you know, I can, I can cut this out. If, uh, yeah. if you start seeing the Marvel red dots on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, spy, the Spider-Man like a uh, red dot. Oh it's a God. dot, but it's in the shape of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Laser sight. John Toyota was assassinated in his uh, apartment today. Uh, I just, I just got an email from uh, a guy named Kevin Feige. <laughs> and technically, John works for Disney too. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's why I'm. I, I'm sorry. I'm intentionally causing a ruckus. You can cut this out if you want. <laughs> it's, it's all good. No, we're keeping all of it. All of it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Every last minute. Todd, you said uh, you were. Uh, gonna have, oh no, I was just gonna. Oh say. no, actually, it's all. It's all. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm um, zip. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say 
Before we go, Meg, what's the status on your blanket there? Dude, I am so close to being done. I'm on the last row of it so far, and then it'll be done. It doesn't even fit in the screen. Ooh, nice. It's a big blanket. It's a decent uh, couch cuddling blanket. Yeah. Um, it's for my sister. Now you got to knit a giant getting off topic logo in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Um, we... Uh, at least have to cut the recording because we're at uh, two hours now and we want people to actually listen to this show. So <laughs> thank you for joining guys. This is Tony. This is Todd. This is Byron. Meg. This is Sean. Thanks for inviting me. Ooh, yeah. Thank you. Um, Happy to have you. Yeah. Hey, uh, is uh, anywhere, anything you'd like to um, promote anything you're working on right now? Is there an Instagram handle or uh, anything? Anything? Oh, yeah. Well, you do have a show coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Check out Hulu and watch Shrill on May 7th. And while you're at it, uh, feel free to Google uh, that on IMDb and find me. My name's Sean Toyoto. Um, I'm based in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I've run out of things to say. <laughs> you're doing a great job, Walker. <laughs> <laughs>